I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Julie Eaton, who's the vice president and general manager of the Corian design business at the New DuPont. Julie's been at DuPont for 23 years. It was her first job out of college. And we talk about her transition from manufacturing, being a chemical engineer by training, through various ranks of product leadership, into her current role now as GM of the Korean business overall. And we'll talk about how she's approaching consumer marketing within that business and all the different aspects of the new DuPont that are taking place today. I hope you enjoy this show with Julie Eaton. Well, Julie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alan. It's great to be here. Well, my my understanding is that you're at what's called the New DuPont. And I was wondering if for listeners, you could give us a quick synopsis of the Dow DuPont merger and then split, if you will, just for context. Sure. We brought together basically the complementary and innovative portfolios of the Dow and DuPont companies into Dow DuPont. And it currently is comprised of three strong divisions, an agriculture division with the name Corteva in the future, a materials division that will have the Dow name in the future, and a specialty products division that will be the new DuPont, which I'll be part of in the future. And we intend to separate these three independent companies into publicly traded companies early next year. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, and I saw just oddly enough in the news yesterday, DuPont has a new logo. So we do. After decades, um, we did just launch a new logo yesterday. We are the makers of new, which is very exciting. Um, employees are excited. I personally am excited. So um, more to come on that. But yes, we are out with our new logo. <laughs> well, so let's talk about a little bit about your background. It seems like you've been at DuPont for a while. I'm curious, you know, one, I guess we should start is, did, is that your first job? And what was your path to becoming GM of the Korean design business? Sure. So yes, DuPont is my only grown-up job. Been here 23 years. I'm a chemical engineer by training. So I spent about the first nine years of my career in manufacturing technology, so supporting assets. And then I moved into manufacturing leadership. I ran a crew uh, uh, on shift, started up a new plant, and then moved into some supply chain roles. And at that point, if you would have asked me then, about nine years in, I really thought I wanted to be a manufacturing leader someday, but I wanted to do that with a focus on customers. So I decided to move into our Tyvek business at the time. It was very entrepreneurial, but they could benefit at the time from some additional discipline. And I was Six Sigma certified. So I moved over to that business with a skill that they needed. And I really just fell in love with the market. I moved into product management from there, worked on some divestitures, and at some point moved to Richmond where I am now and have had several different marketing roles and moved into the director ranks in about 2013. Ran our Kevlar business for a while, which folks are very familiar with, I think. And then just in March of 27, I moved into the GM role for Corian Design. That's amazing. So, I mean, you've been all around the company, it seems like to me, you know, starting <laughs> <laughs> so many different roles and spanning a lot of different functions. And we're going to be talking about marketing later. <laughs> but how did you make the transition from role to role to role? Because it seems, you know, very different, if you will. Yeah, it does. And I think in the beginning, there was a little bit of choice. Things seemed to, you know, be the next logical step. But when I think back about it and look in the rearview mirror, I always took something I knew into something I didn't know. I'm an active learner. And so as I was trying to build out my career, it's hard to walk into blue space the more your career progresses. So I always wanted to have some value add that I took with me. And when I look at all of the different things that I've been fortunate enough to do, I've really figured out that I live kind of at the intersection of strategy and execution. I don't need to be in the weeds of the details, but I also don't operate in the total blue sky. So where I can be an integrator with organizations, with markets, with people, with functions, that has been where I thrive. And when I look at my career, that's really kind of what has helped me navigate around. Hmm. Well, you use the word integrator. It brings to mind a book. I don't know if you've ever read this book. It's more for entrepreneurial organizations called uh, Traction. And it's built on this model called the EOS or the Entrepreneur's Operating System. But the interesting thing when you say integrator is that's actually the role they talk about that sits above and makes sure that every all the strategy actually gets executed properly and coordinates all the cross-functional teams. So I don't know if you've ever read that, but it's an interesting, you use the same word that they use in the book. That's interesting. I have not read it, so I'll have to put it on my uh, podcast or my uh, Audible list and definitely do that yeah. while I'm on the treadmill. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good book for, especially for entrepreneurial organizations just want to get more stuff done. So 
No, that's great. I am definitely a let's get stuff done gal, but it, that, I'll definitely look at that. I love, I do know that integration is what puts my feet on the floor every day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, what does your role look like today at Corian Design? You're the GM, but give us a little bit more about what that means. Yes. So I have end-to-end responsibility, which includes the assets in my business, supply chain, marketing and sales, uh, and technology. So we're a very market-focused business. And so I get to lean into marketing more in this role, but I do have responsibility for the end-to-end business for all of Corian Design. So you're leaning more into the marketing discipline these days, even though you have accountability for the entire running the business. Was that an easy transition into marketing and and how did you prepare or try to fill the gaps if you had gaps? Yeah, so I have had other marketing roles in the past, but interestingly enough, in a more regulated and technically oriented businesses, they were more channel manager type roles. But when I was running our Kevlar business, that is such a great brand. It spans both B2B and B2C segments. And so it was a really good learning to be able to lean into and transition into Corian, which is primarily a consumer-facing brand. And we operate in commercial and residential spaces that are fast-moving versus other businesses in DuPont that are, like I said before, more technically complex and regulated like our aerospace businesses. So I did have a little bit of help along the way, but this has been really fun to lean into what is a very consumer-facing brand. What are you focused on now with Corian Design? I mean, for listeners that don't know the kind of background, I guess, of Corian is most people tend to think of countertops, kitchen countertops and things like that. But I know from some exposure to the business that, you know, it can be so much more, right? Modern buildings are covered with Corian on the outside. I've seen jewelry online being made <laughs> out of Corian. So there's a lot of different use cases for it. What, what are you focused on now with, you know, the Corian Design business? Yeah, so that was a great lead-in. I mean, we have a 50-year rich history of being an acrylic solid surface. And so Corian has been a product brand and a very successful product brand for many years. But just last year in 2017, we launched the Corian design brand. So we're making a conscious shift from being a product brand to a master brand and building out that portfolio with not just our products of Corian Solid Surface and Corian Quartz, but also adding services and solutions. So you talked a little bit about Corian on the outside of buildings. We've got Corian exteriors. There are several buildings around the world that can use the unique capability of Corian solid surface and the fact that it can be thermoformed into all these unique shapes and it has beautiful colors. Buildings don't have to be square anymore. They can be really inspirational <laughs> and architects love our material. So really moving into that design space is what we're working on right now. Well, and you mentioned moving from a product brand to a master brand. I mean, that's a big undertaking to make that shift. Where did you start that process and kind of what's the long-term vision? Yeah, so we did, I think, what most people would do. We did some research on who we thought we were and who the market 
thought we were. And very much like you said, right, we're the people that do countertops. But as we looked at where we were headed, we saw the possibility to be so much more. And so we are so proud to be a part of DuPont, which continues to stand for innovation and differentiated high-performing products that make a meaningful difference in the world. And so when we thought about that, the Corian Design Master Brand allows us to help bring people's ideas and inspirations to life while they are making these differences in the world. Architects and designers and consumers create beautiful spaces that are healing, that are calm, that are tranquil, that are fun. And so our orientation is to be a part of that and facilitate that. Well, now to become a brand inside of DuPont, I don't, you know, and this is no disrespect to DuPont. I have friends that work there from business school days, but I don't think of them as master marketers in the consumer (laughs) sense. Yes. (laughs) They are masters of many things, but I'm not sure consumer marketing is, is the one I would go to first. But how do you approach a brand transformation inside of a business that I'm sure is supportive, but probably doesn't know, you know, necessarily what this change is going to look like or how to make it come about? Yes. So um, for my friends who are marketers and myself, we have lived in the world in DuPont and have been so successful in these technically. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Complex and regulated markets, it's a very different kind of marketing, as you very well say. And that's where we've been successful. That's where we've built our heritage and our history. So when we look at something that is more consumer facing, we really learned along the way. I mean, we partnered with others who had done it before. The Kevlar brand started, Mm. you know, a little bit ahead of my uh, running the business, but they really were making that shift and understanding the power of a product brand that could be more and that consumers thought were more. So we did have that example. But I think for me, the learning is you hit a wall, you learn something, you ask questions, you're humble, you pivot and you keep moving forward. And what I've been really proud of inside of DuPont is that they're looking at Corian design as something new and different, and they've been very supportive. And we all just agree that we are trying something new and we are going to figure it out and it's worth doing. So we're creating a new capability inside the company and that's been a lot of fun. I like it. I like it. Pivot and keep moving forward. (laughs) 
Yes. In particular. So, you know, when we last talked, just to in prep for this discussion, uh, we talked kind of about two strategic questions that you laid out in terms of like the marketing role or strategic marketing's role, maybe, is where to play and how to win within, you know, your markets and the groups that you're trying to serve and, and those types of things. And I know your business is very much global you know, learned about building a business and brand on a global stage. What can you tell us about your approach to either why those two questions are important and then maybe what you've learned globally? Sure. So they're simple questions, right? Where to play and how to win. And you can read them in a lot of strategy books, but until you really internalize them, you can't bring them to life. So it's easy to say you want to play in the residential market, But when you ask yourself, how do you win? You got to ask yourself, how do you win in North America, in Eastern Europe, in China, in India? And so really pushing down from a global strategy to a country or a regional or an opportunity level execution is what I think is so important. And so, you know, I can share a couple quick stories because they're they're pretty new for us in emerging markets. China and India have the fastest growing middle income sections of their population. And so many companies are targeting them as growth opportunities. And so are we. So it was really interesting. My team brought me a solution for the condo market in China. And I realized I had some personal hesitation driven on just mindset and constraints of our business, not the opportunity itself. And so I had to really force myself to pivot and say, what is the opportunity? And how, when you ask yourself how to win, how do you serve that opportunity in a way that's good for the consumer and good for us? And so it's a lot of piloting, testing, learning, and building. And so that was one where, you know, we kind of had to challenge the leader's mindset being me. The other one was in India. We were launching a new surface. And because it was a new category, Hmm. new middle income, we looked at our portfolio and we took the aesthetics that we had launched early on in our portfolio into our developed markets and said, okay, well, we're starting in a new market. We'll start where we started in our developed markets. Well, that wasn't (laughs) such a great assumption. The world is very global and the market in India wanted what the rest of the market had. So again, right? You pilot, you test, you learn, you build. But what I have learned in all of these is the how to win question is so important. We really need to understand the new markets we're entering and don't just move forward with old assumptions. You've got to look at the market today, the consumers today, the decisions today. Right. No, I I think that's a great, great point, you know, in terms of running the play that you've run before versus these markets are known for leapfrogging, right? Right. So to your point, you know, we, you launched with what you launched with before. Well, they're already ahead of where you are now, you know? Yes. So yeah, it's an interesting thing to keep in mind and, and the similarities, frankly, of people around the world. (laughs) <laughs> people of the same income levels, right? That's exactly right. And I, I, for me, it was just such an eye-opener. We all think we're global. We think we're forward-looking. And you can't help but, like you said, playing the play you've always run. And so mm-hmm. I think we've shaken ourselves awake here. 
That's good. Well, you know, I appreciate you coming on the show. And one of the things I love to do is to try to get to know the person as well behind the businesses that we talk about and the marketing that we talk about. And so one of the things I love asking is, you know, is there an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Yeah, that's a great question. And I was thinking about that. And I really think about my parents. And so it's not an experience, but it's what they both individually gave me. So my dad, well, I should say I'm a first generation college graduate, my sister and I, and we have one other cousin. And my dad is one of four brothers and my mom has a brother. So it was very important to both of them that we go to college. And my dad would always say, I want two things for you girls. I want you to have a college education and marry a good man in that order. (laughs) And he was very firm about in that order. So one of my experiences, and I have a picture to prove it, I graduated college at 9 a.m. in the morning and got married at 6 p.m. that same night in (laughs) that order. And I had a very happy dad that day. That's a great story. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that is something that just carries with me. And the fact that education was so important and even... You know, as I was growing up, him telling his two daughters they could be whatever they wanted to be, which leads me to my mom. You know, she grew up in a different generation where women had different expectations and she worked. So we had a good role model. But I remember when I came home and said I wanted to be a chemical engineer, her response sticks with me to this day. She said, what is a chemical engineer? I said, I don't know, but I want to be one. And she said, great, we'll make you the best one you can be. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So both of those things really um, are important to me. No, absolutely. Those are unbelievable parents and, you know, the values that they placed in you. So that's great. What fuels you? What drives you today? So I have a lot of things that drive me today, but I think at my core, I'm a person of faith. And so that really drives me. And I have a wonderful husband and four beautiful children that keep me grounded. They are teenage children, so they are not (laughs) afraid to tell me what they think and feel. So um, I love that. It's a busy, crazy, wild household. And I guess the third piece that drives me personally, and what fuels me actually is I'm an avid runner. I run marathons. And so fitting all of that in and loving on all those great people in my life is what makes me happy. Yeah. You sound like a superhero to balance all those things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Are there a lot of marketers or people that are into marketing, I think are students of the business or the function? Are there brands, companies or causes that you follow or you you think others should take notice of? Yeah, I got introduced to one last year that really caught my attention and I actually have been giving gifts based on it. So Lauren Bush, one of um, George Bush's twin daughters, started a Mm -hmm. company called Feed and she had been in the Peace Corps and really has a passion for feeding the world. And so you can go on her website. They are not a nonprofit. They are a for-profit, but they only reinvest in the business. The money gets Mm. donated or reinvested to grow the business, to donate more money, to feed the world. And anything you purchase on their site actually will tell you I bought a leather bag for somebody and on the back, the front, it says feed and on the back, it says like 100. And so that means that 
that particular purchase fed a hundred kids. So I absolutely love that Lauren was able to take a passion for humanity and create a for-profit business that served her purpose. And I have to tell you, this is, you know, no paid advertisement, but that's why I work for DuPont. We solve problems that matter in people's lives. And so that is what really drew me to Lauren Bush's feed company. That's awesome. That's a great, I've never heard of that company. I'm going to check it out. Oh yeah. Look it up. Bags, shirts, all kinds of stuff. It's, I really, I love the model and I love that she's not out looking for grants. She is a businesswoman with a purpose. Right, right. No, that's a great business model. Well, last question for you. What do you think the future of marketing is going to look like? I think big data and analytics connected to these global trends that we've been talking about and that consumers are very connected. That is the future of marketing. Our ability as a group of marketers to reach people where they are, not with old traditional ways, but where they are and create a meaningful connection with them is going to drive marketing in the future. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Alan. It's been really great. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with writing and editing by Kevin Greeley, social media support by Megan Woods, art and graphic design by Sarah Dell. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners, and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.